This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We're doing a, a series we started last week called The Voice. And the text scripture for that is Psalms 118.15. It says, The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Let's pray, and then we'll start this series. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your goodness to us. We're grateful for your wisdom that's timeless, that's powerful, that's a high-level wisdom, and we thank you for it tonight. I ask that you would use me to speak words that have clarity and boldness, and that, Father, we have hearts to receive and to hear. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. Tonight, I just pray that we are receptive and open because you're doing great things in us, and you'll do great things through us as we continue to look to you and yield to you. I thank you for every individual that came tonight. I thank you, Father. They could have done something else, but they came here. They honored you. They've honored your word. Thank you that in all labor there is profit. and This will profit them tonight, all of us. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen. We, um, we were talking last week about the voice and, and the voice of what's coming out of your tent. And this phrase as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the fact that we live in a world that is very image conscious. What do we look like? What is our appearance? Nothing wrong with that, but how many of you know it's so easy to look on the outside and judge on the outside? And it just, it just came up in my heart. It's not so much what we look like on the outside, it's what's coming out of us. What comes out? And uh, it says what, in the voice, when you go by the tent, What's coming out of your tent? As I was thinking about that, I thought, remember last week I talked about that uh, television series called The Voice, where they do a blind audition. They can't see, because how many of you know what you see impacts you? And so I, I was thinking about what you see impacts you, and, and this was uh, a clip that I, I thought you might enjoy. Watch how they treat this young man before he sings. The next contestant, the world of showbiz seems a million miles away. It's Paul, a mobile phone salesman from South Wales. By day, I sell mobile phones. My dream is to spend my life doing what I feel that I was born to do. Paul, what are you here for today, Paul? To sing opera. I've always wanted to sing as a career. Confidence is, has always been sort of like a difficult thing for me. I've always found it a little bit difficult to be completely confident in myself. Okay, I'm ready when you are.
So you work at Carphone Warehouse, <laughs> and you did that. I wasn't expecting that. No, neither was I. <laughs> this was a complete breath of fresh air. I thought you were absolutely fantastic. Maybe we've seen that clip before. That great clip. Not so much what's on the outside, what's coming out of you. I love the fact they were so dismissive of that guy when they saw him. And that Simon rolls his eyes. And uh, I think now he, uh, Paul Potts, he travels all over the world. And uh, he had his teeth fixed. The hairdo, got a suit that fits. But it's interesting, he, he stayed with the wife that stayed with him. And uh, he's become world famous. But I, I, I just love this because we look and we judge on what we see, but what's coming out of you. So... Let's talk a little bit about what's coming out. If Jesus walked past your tent, what would he hear? Now, we talked about some of the things that uh, last week and uh, some of the things that are coming out of our tents, coming out of our lives. Now, listen, when I talk about these things, I'm not talking, people get like, oh, because we talked about uh, complaining. And people are like, oh, no, I, I complain. It's not, listen, all of us have complained. It just doesn't need to be the dominant voice coming out of our tent. And so we talked about silence. We walked past, if the Lord walked past your tent, one thing about tents is tents, you can always hear what's going on in a tent. You can't hide stuff. And so if the Lord walked past your tent, what would he hear? If we walked past your life, what would he hear? We hear silence. And I said this before, and, I, and we'll talk about this, maybe not tonight, but another time. Silence. As Christians, I know people say, well, I'm, I'm just quiet. I'm, I'm a silent person. I, I want to convince you that you want to not just simply be a silent person that you want to become an expressive person or that you want to express praise, you want to express what's in your heart. It, expression is good. And I know we've been bought, we've been sold the idea, well, you know, when it comes to religion, just stay quiet. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about what you do with other people. I'm just simply talking about the fact that what should come out of us on a regular basis is rejoicing and thanksgiving and praise and faith and good things. Because out of the abundance of the heart, our, our, our mouth begins to speak. And so silence Silence is better than negatives, but you, you don't simply want to be a silent Christian. But then we talked about sighing and groaning. Uh, that often sighing and groaning are a sign of sorrow or despair. Again, all of us have done it. What I'm saying is, is it the dominant voice in your life? Sighing and groaning. You don't want it to be. It doesn't have to be. And then the last one we talked about was complaining. 
and complaining and murmuring about, about problems. And the reason we talked about the, why that wasn't good is it actually begins to set a distinction between us and people who do not have a relationship with God. And that's what it says, the tents of the righteous, those who have a relationship with the Lord. There should be a contrast between what comes out of their lives and what comes out of your life now. When I, this, this next one is one that we'll talk about, that, and that's, this was something that I initially had a problem with. James, the third chapter, verse eight. It says, no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we curse men who've been made in the similitude of God. How the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does the spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same openings? Cursing is to wish harm or evoke evil upon someone. And actually, some of our curse words do exactly that. You tell someone we use the phrase, and I'm only using this for illustration purposes, but you tell someone, damn you. You're evoking evil upon them. Ought not to come out of us. And of course, they get worse from there. That's, you know, it's a shame. Isn't that almost considered mild today? And so these words are said ought not to come out of us. Now listen, I, I was a big cusser. Before I knew the Lord, I was, man, I cussed a lot. I put strings together. I thought I was very creative in, in how I could cuss. And so, but this was something that when, when I came to the Lord, I, di I just inherently knew it, it needed to change. And that what, that what came out of me, I, didn't, I did not want it to be cursing. Can I tell you this? You can go from just having a mouth that is completely foul to having a mouth where curse words never come out. You can go there. You need to want to go there. But it's, it's good to go there. It's just not a good witness when you cuss somebody out. And then ask if you can pray for them. Not, uh, <laughs> but you don't want to, you don't want to evoke evil on someone. Now again, we're, we're, mercy here, we're a merciful church. And we have to understand that especially, you know, someone, especially when they first come to the Lord, how many of you know there's a lot of things when you first come to the Lord, they're still in your life and they have not dropped out of your life yet. I'll never forget standing out in the lobby one time. A big guy, he came, and just, he's just kind of a, a big, rough-looking guy. And uh, he, he, called, he called, he shook my hand. He called me over and he's, he brought it, and then he called his wife over. He said, honey, come over here. Come over here. I'm going to tell you something. He said, this guy is the best damn preacher I have heard in a long time. <laughs> now, some of you went, <gasps> he said that in church. But, you, but can, I, can I tell you really, honestly? He was sincere about it. He was just as, uh, listen, I've, been, I've had people say things to me that were no cuss words, but they had a meaner tone to them. He didn't mean anything by it at all. He was just, he was just sincere. Now, we ask our staff not to cuss. <laughs> and he's not on staff. But listen, here's the deal. What, what comes out of our tent? We, just, we don't want to praise God and then curse people. And it's just, it's just a, it's seeds you don't want to plant. Because here's one of the, one of the things that we find out. It does not mean we avoid honesty. Some people say, well, I can't say anything about people that's negative. 
2 Timothy, Paul lists something. I'm not going to go through a list, but he lists something. Now, I'm not saying you can't be honest with people. You can't describe situations. But the idea is we don't want to evoke evil or evoke harm on something. I, oh, I just wish they'd go to hell. No. No, we, we never want anybody to go there. That's one reason we're here. And so these are things that we can begin to eliminate from our lives. And eliminating from your life, and, and, I, and I realize, again, I realize that puts us a little countercultural to the world we live in today. And what happens is sometimes if, if, if you begin to eliminate this from your life, and then when you hear it, it, it almost sounds offensive. I've listened to movies sometimes, I can't even listen to them anymore. I'm just like, phew, it's, it's, it's just offensive. It doesn't need to come from us. So cursing is something that doesn't need to come out of our tent. What we find, what comes out of us, helps define us. Romans, the third chapter, when Paul is writing to Romans, he is describing the condition of fallen man. And he says in verse 12, they have all turned aside, they've all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Now, he, Paul is contrasting before Christ, after Christ. But he's talking about fallen man. He said, but look what he talks about next. He said, their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they practice deceit. The poison of asps, that's a snake, is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. So what we find is that even though oftentimes in Christian circles, that we tend to place an emphasis on our actions. Well, I don't, I don't do this anymore. I grew, up, I grew up Baptist. My mother was very Baptist. We, we jokingly refer to her as a Shiite Baptist. And um, she was serious. And I remember there was no, no one in my family drank. So I grew up in a non-drinking family. And I, I was very concerned as a young boy because I grew up Baptist. And of course, it was, it was so against our Baptist doctrine to drink that I, I remember at eight years old being very concerned because I was concerned that everyone that drank was going to hell. And that was something that obviously I got over later on. But... We, we put the emphasis on, a lot of times, the outward stuff. This is what I, this is how I dress. This is how, and, and some denominations make a big deal of that. This is how someone's supposed to dress. This is how I don't do this, I don't do that. A lot of times it's outward. Well, I, I you know, I, I go to church. I don't, I don't go to movies. I, but yet, what we realize is, guys, it's, it's not so much what's going on on the outside. It's what's going on on the inside that matters the most. And Joy and I had the singles at Lakewood Church. We, uh, we had a lady that came. She was a young lady, came from a kind of a rougher background. And she came, she got saved, had the sweetest heart. She came in, but, but she dressed. When, when she dressed, she came to some church functions, and she had some cutoffs, and they were cut off. <laughs> they, were, they were serious. So she's like halter top and, and cutoffs. And she pops up to a church function, and it's like, <gasps> this was not me. This was, uh, this was some of the ladies in there. And I remember they took her aside and they just chewed her out about her dress. I don't even know God's a lot more concerned with this young lady's heart than he was her cutoff jeans. I, uh, listen, it, it's, <laughs> uh, I first got saved, I, I uh, was down in Texas. I sold Wrangler jeans. I was a Wrangler jeans sales rep. I was 22 years old. These were the days when I had like a, about a 5% body fat. 
No, those days are long gone. <laughs> but I had a 5% body fat. I had a 29-inch waist, and I sold men's jeans. I sold those men's jeans, buddy. Because <laughs> when I got down to Texas, said they said, son, you're in Texas. You need to wear your jeans tight. I'm like, fine by me. So, buddy, I wore them real tight. And uh, I, I was really glad when the Lord released me from that so that I could breathe better. But, I, <laughs> I, I, man, I, I wore them tight. I was a jean salesman. And I go popping into a singles meeting one time at Lakewood, and a guy just started chewing me out about my clothes. And he's just giving me, I jeans are too tight. And it's like, I, man, I've just come back to the Lord. I thought every Christian's good. I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy the Lord loves me. Now I'm getting chewed out about my clothing. I appreciate that about this church. I appreciate the fact that, that people can come here and, and we don't care what your background is and we don't care really what you wear unless it's causing a major disturbance in our hallways, but we really don't <laughs> because we recognize it's not what's on the outside that matters. It's what's on the inside that matters and what, and what comes out. And I'll never forget a guy named Joe Valdez who was a boxer stepped into the middle of that conversation and said, let him wear his tight jeans if he wants to. It's not, it's not hurting anybody. But I remember he stepped in and I appreciated Joe stepping in. And like I said, after a while, thank God the revelation hit me. Hey, I don't have to wear these jeans so tight. It was a good day. It's like <laughs> I could breathe better, sit down better. It was all wonderful. You understand what I'm saying on this thing? We put so much emphasis, but listen, we put so much emphasis on outside things where we need to put a lot of emphasis is on our words, on what's coming out of us. I'm amazed at, a, at an auditorium this size, how quiet can envelop us like a fog sometimes. <laughs> oh, and we're not done yet. So let's, um, let's talk about this. A new creation. As a new creation, we're to have a new voice. I'm going to read a passage to you from the book of Ephesians. This is Paul writing to the group of Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. It says, if indeed you have heard him, talk about Jesus, and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. As I was reading this, and this was written to the book of, uh, book of Ephesus, was written to a group of people in the city of Ephesus. The city of Ephesus was a city that, and I think about our culture today, Ephesus was a pretty amazing city. It had about 250,000 people at the time that Paul was writing. It was a major port city. It was, it was now in what they call Western Turkey, and it was an entryway port to the rest of Asia. It was the key city in Asia. And this is where Paul went to establish a church. And you have to understand, you, when you're on a ship and you're sailing up to Ephesus, there was a huge temple there. It was to the temple Diana. And the temple, they said, was 425 feet long, 220 feet wide, and it had columns, 127 columns of white marble that were, that were 60 feet high that went around it. Now, to give you a perspective, it sat on top of a mountain, and it was, it just overlooked the entire area. This building is about 300 feet long, 225 wide. So it's longer than this building, only about 35 high. 
So almost twice as big. Can you imagine that? Sat on a mountain, and it was all for the, the, the goddess Diana. The goddess Diana had temple priestess. They had, and this city was absolutely steeped in occultism, in paganism. And when Paul rolled up there, it wasn't like there was the first assembly over here and the Baptist over here, the Methodist church. This was in a totally pagan city. And they, in fact, they, had so, they were so much steeped in the magic and the occults that when they had a revival in that city, the Bible said in Acts chapter 19, they came and they had these parchments that Ephesus was known for. They were called the Ephesus letters, magic words and incantations that people would say they were into the black arts, they were into witchcraft. This was a dark place. And when the people came and threw those things away and they burned them and confessed that Jesus was their Lord, this was so different for them. The 50,000, they said it's worth 50,000 pieces of silver in today's money between four to eight million dollars worth of stuff. It was a city that you have to understand when Paul's writing to them, it's not like these people have been raised in any kind of what we would call Judeo-Christian morality at all. There was none. And so he's writing to people who come out of paganism, who come out of the occult, who come out of all a bunch of dark, demonic-type stuff. And he writes them and he said, he said, you've, you've been taught that you put off the old man. But Paul's writing this, people saying, listen, you, you have to put off the old man. That you have an old man, you have, a, you have an old nature, he said, you got to put it away. Now, that's something we have to be intentional about. And then he said, you have to put on the new, you have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewing your mind simply means that we begin to change our attitude and our outlook and our beliefs and our values. This is a constant process. If you were raised, depending on how you are raised, guys, if you were raised, now we've done, depending on how you're raised, some of you had zero church background, some of you had a lot of church, some of you had different things that you were raised with. Like I said, I knew that when I came to the Lord, I'd been, I'd been raised in a pretty strict home. My parents loved the Lord and it was pretty stringent, so I knew I needed to, I knew I needed to stop. I, I stopped drinking. Joy and I stopped drinking before I went to Bible school. Joy was raised Italian. They put wine in like baby bottles there. I mean, it was just... <laughs> So that was different for her. I was raised in, in a strict Baptist sense. Now, you know, I, 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 I knew in my heart I needed to give up the drugs. You just know these things. I thought, you know, I'm going to go to Bible school. Probably not good to be smoking dope in Bible school. But I, I, man, I was a big pot smoker. But I knew I needed to give that up. Sometimes people who don't have that background, they don't know. I had a friend at Bible school. He came from a Jewish Catholic background, which means confused. <laughs> and he thought that before he preached, that he would preach better with a six-pack. So if he drank a six-pack of beer, he preached better. From my Baptist background, I'm like, <sighs> he didn't know. I don't even know that this is a process. We come to the Lord and we start, put, we start renewing our mind. We start thinking differently. We start taking on different values. Some of you a few years ago wouldn't be caught dead in a church, much less on a Wednesday night. Why are you going on Wednesday night? Because it's good. We enjoy, because we get help. Listen, your values have changed. Some of your beliefs have changed. So many things have changed. It's not an instant process. It is, it's something that we do, but you have to be intentional about it. 
And the beautiful thing about it is we have God's word to help us begin to change how we see things. Honestly, how many of you would say that you view things differently today than you did 10 years ago? That you see things differently, that you, that you do things differently. And maybe you were raised a certain way, but now you're doing different things with your family. There's so much we do. It's called renew. It's a renewal process. And one of the things we're going to have to renew to is we have to renew to we had a way of life. And as we examine God's word, we begin to find out well, these things can go, these things can stay, and it is a, a gradual growth process. And if you'll commit to that, and you put on the new man, the Bible said, which after God has created in righteousness and true holiness, it will produce change in your life. That's how change comes. You come to church, you say, oh, I've not been in church. That's good. But, that, but then you're still going to have to take what you hear and begin to put it up against what you believe and make adjustments. Does that make sense? It makes, it makes changes. And so when Paul is writing to these people who came out of this heathen, occult, dark, demonic past. He's like, y'all need to put that off and renew, become renewed in your mind and put on the new man. And the new man, hey, I want to tell you something. The new man looks good. The new man created in Christ Jesus. The Bible said in true righteousness, holiness, which means separation to God. New man looks great. And so it's a, it's a whole process of learning how to say no to the old life, renew our mind, and put on the new man. Now, Paul continues the thought, and he keeps reading. He keeps writing here in Ephesians 4. Now, I, I just I want to hit this tonight before we go. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now here he's writing these people who came out of a dark background. He said, okay, you're, you're, you're putting off the old, begin to renew your mind, you're putting on the new. So you need to stop lying. I mean, even though lying should not be in our tent. Just, <laughs> I was just thinking that I hadn't thought about this in a long time. I, my, my parents were serious. And when I lied, I am not suggesting you do this today. When I lied, my mother had a, had a bar of dial soap. Now, this is going to date you, man. This is old school because I can hear CPS just dialing up right now. <laughs> she would take that bar of dial soap and wash my mouth out with dial soap. Am I the only one that ever had that happen to? Anybody? No. Okay. Let me tell you something. You don't know what it's like till you get dial soap in your teeth. And then you can't get it out. You walk around the whole day going, <laughs> man, I hated that. My parents had a big problem with lying. <laughs> you want to make my wife mad? Lie to her. That is, ooh, that is, that is you don't even want to see that side of joy. It is not good. But it's, it said, put away lying. Now, because lying is deceitful and lying hurts. It said, because we're members of one another. So it talks about that. But here's some other thing it talks about. It said, and this is, this is mind renewal. Be angry, but don't sin. 
<laughs> oh, help us, Lord. <laughs> I think sometimes we thought, if, if, if I'm a Christian, I can't get angry. Let me tell you something. You're riding down the road and someone just cuts you off. Don't tell me that you just go, oh, praise God. <laughs> I was just hoping that would happen today. <laughs> oh, it makes you angry. How about when somebody does something to one of your children? Ooh. It makes you angry. The Bible said be angry, but don't sin. Now, this is my renewal here. So I can get angry? Yes. But it doesn't mean I have to cuss somebody out. Or run them off the road. <laughs> or give them the one-fingered salute. Especially if you got an arc sticker on the back of your car. <laughs> don't do it. Just don't do it. But see, it, isn't that different thinking? Because now it's like, if you're angry, you have to let it out. No, 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 listen. Just think it. I'm angry. I, I, I got to, you know, my son was up in his room one day. He's hitting something. He's like, I'm just angry. I need to hit something. I said, well, great. Did that solve anything? No. So it's like, you know, I just need to let it out. I don't know if you let anything out, but when you yield to anger, the more you yield to it, the easier it becomes to yield to it. So what happens is we just learned that we can be angry and don't sin, and then said this, and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, listen, I'm gonna tell, I'll be honest with you. One of the biggest regrets I have is that, is that in the early years of our marriage especially, but that my anger, my anger impacted my mouth. And in anger, I would say things to joy and I would say things to the children that I regret. And I do not like that. I'm not proud of that. If I could, if I could rewind things, I would. But, but anger is something they said, angry, what, and if it gets into your mouth. But here's the deal now. Do you still get angry now? Yes. Do I, do, does it hit my mouth? Very rarely. That's what? Renewing our mind? Putting off the old man? Putting on the new. Does that make sense? But here's another. Now, I tell you what, one thing that I was good at. I don't hold on to it. We used, to, we used to laugh around our house. It's like, it's Hurricane Joy and Tornado Al. Tornadoes strike fast. <clears throat> and then they're gone. That's me. Angry, blow up. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't hang on to it. Joy? <laughs> Slow. But I've stepped in the house and felt the barometric pressure drop. <laughs> and feel it rumbling offshore. You're telling the kids, you all need to batten down the hatches. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's about to blow. She would actually hold on to anger longer than I would. So I would, I would explode. She didn't tend to explode, but she would hang on to anger. So what we've learned to do is we don't have to hang on to it, and we don't, and we don't have to yield to it. So here's a, here's, a, here's a very liberating thought. You can get really, really angry and no one has to know it. They can pull in front of you and you can feel like going, you are a flaming idiot. <laughs> but you don't say that. You just say, bless you. <laughs> bless your heart. <laughs> angry without sinning. We'll talk a little bit about this next week. We having fun with this? This is good. But here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is a process. So, Alan, when is the process? When is it over? <laughs> Never. <laughs>
it, we're, it, we're always learning. We're always growing. And so this, this is one of the reasons I don't mind talking about some of the, the challenges I had because I, I knew where I was. And this is not because Alan's so wonderful. It's because the old Alan died. And as I begin to renew my mind, I get to put on the new Alan who's created in Christ who looks a whole lot better than the old Alan. Does that make sense? It makes a lot more sense. And, and that works for you. Bow your heads, we're going to pray. If you came this evening and said, you know, the old, the new, I, I don't even know where I stand with God, but I want to. Or maybe you're one that's, that, that recognizes right now in your heart, I, I've, I've gotten away from the Lord. I know it. I've been, I've been away from him, but I want to come back. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm only going to ask you to do one thing. If that's you that I'm talking to tonight, and you say, Alan, I want a relationship with the Lord, or I want to come back to him. Would you pray for me? I just need you to slip your hand up real quick, just across this auditorium. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands up all over. Anybody else? Great. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. You can join in this prayer with us. It's a powerful prayer. It's a prayer that commits. It's a prayer that recommits. And we're going to pray it with you as a church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. I said to bow and eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. And Father, thank you for your grace and mercy in our life. Thank you that we can put off the old. We can put on the new. That we can honor and glorify you in our lives and be a blessing to the ones around us. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.